This podcast is brought to you by Dingle Mount Church. It will open up God's Word to you, inspire you to love God, and grow in the knowledge of Him, and challenge you to live a victorious Christian life. Be blessed as you listen. what in life will truly make you happy or where will you find real joy I wonder what your answer will be but let me help us a little bit I'm sure some of us might say well if our world is a lot more peaceful that will do I will be happy or I think that will bring joy to my heart and others might say well if I have a little bit more of what I don't have maybe that will bring joy or happiness to my life Someone else might say, well, uh, if I get married, because maybe if you're single, you say, well, if I get married and have a partner or someone to live with and share my burdens with, that will make me happy or I will find a great joy. Now, I'm not disputing any of these uh, answers because I know that for some of us, what will make us happy or what will make Richard happy is different from what will make me happy and what will make a church happy may even be different from what will make another church down the road or happy or where they think they can find that joy. But I'm going to relate this story to you and this is the story of a man known as Bill Burden. This man was born into a very wealthy home. He had everything that you'll ever think of. It's like being born as part of the royal family and you have everything that you can ever imagine. You're not looking for a job, you're not thinking of what to eat the next day, you're not thinking of what to drive or what to wear, or how you can travel. He had everything. And of course, he was meant to inherit the family fortune. But this man gave his heart to the Lord, and the Lord called him to travel to a far country as a missionary. And he shared it with his family and told them, this is what the Lord has laid on my heart. And unfortunately, or as he put it, he said he will be turning his back on most of the things or supposed life they expected him to live. And he's going away to this far country and that's where he will spend most of his entire life. And the parents, not being Christians, of course, threatened him and said, well, if you turn your back against all these riches and wealth and all the things that we are offering, they said we will also turn our backs back on you. But he wasn't moved, he went. And um, for a few years he spent in the mission field, you know, doing the work of the Lord, doing what God had called him to do. He got ill. And you know what happened to Bill? He died a few years down the lane. And on his, uh, the day of his funeral, people gathered and people were wondering what happened to him and how a man could turn his back the opportunities he had and a man they found something a little note that he wrote and this was he put it in one of his um, uh, lockers and what was written on it was no regrets no regrets no surrender and no turning back and when they saw that and showed people what he wrote that he had no regrets whatsoever turning his back on the fortunes that he had no regret whatsoever even traveling to a far place and even dying for what he knew in his heart was right he said no regrets and he would not turn his back against what he felt was right for him uh, to do 
And when I read that simple story, and I felt that this man Bill knew something that most people in our world today haven't come to discover. Or they do discover it, but by the time they do, it's already too late. And that is the world's values will never make us happy. And that was what this man Bill discovered. Because if you were in Bill's position, I don't know how you have responded or reacted. In the face of fortune, wealth and riches and fame that could have been yours, will you turn your back and be faithful to what God or the call that God has already given. And so this man knew that no matter the fame, the level of accomplishment, the fortune that people do run after, he said that will never make us happy. And if you look around our world today, you will agree with me that these are the things that people do normally seek after. Look down the road. If you walk in an office, maybe ask the same question, what will make you happy? And you'll agree with me that these are the things that people normally do run after. Or people will tell you, this is what will give me joy. And you don't blame them because that's what our culture demands of us. Our culture values pride. Our culture values power. Our culture values possessions. Our culture says, if you do something great, let everybody know about it. And that is what the culture says. So for us as Christians to live in a countercultural way, I think, is like saying to us, this is what is expected from the world of you. But God is saying, I want you to think differently. I want you to take a different approach. I want you to see things differently. And that's why I'm asking us that question again this morning. Where can we as Christians find that true joy or happiness? That happiness that the world says can be found in unrestrained sensual pleasure. That if someone tries to get in your way, all you do is you push them out of the way so you can climb up the corporate ladder. That is what our world says. But the question is, what does Jesus have to say? What has the Bible got to say to us? And in the scriptures I've just read to us in the book of Matthew chapter 5, if you look at this sermon... I wouldn't go into the technical aspects of it. This will be dealt with on Thursday. We've come to know it as the Beatitudes, and some will call it the Sermon on the Mount. Very different from the one you have in Luke 6, which is the Sermon, some would say, call it the Sermon on the Plain. And there's been a lot of theological arguments. Was it the same sermon? Uh, Was it preached on a mountain or on a plain? And um, did Jesus really intend to preach it? Uh, Or was this just a little condensed summary of all his teachings? over a period of week, but we're not answering that this morning. But if you look at this sermon that Jesus Christ preached, or this summary of the sermon that he preached, what Jesus did here is more or less like offering us a plan of finding true joy in life. And the plan that Jesus gives us, when you read it from verses 1 down to verse 12, you see that the plan of Jesus is completely at odds with what the world around us will expect us to see. And I want you to look at these verses again. Look at verse 3. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Look at verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you can see the things that Jesus Christ placed a lot of value on. And like I said, these are not the things that society or the world in which we live in wants us 
to appreciate or want us to hold very dear to our hearts. And so nine times in these verses, Jesus Christ used that word blessed, which roughly translates to the word happy. There are some translations of the Bible that you might pick up, and that's what you see. Happy are this, happy are those, happy are this. But the problem with that word happy, and I'm sure that most of us will agree with me, is if you've got a Greek translation of the same verse of scripture, it's not the same words that is translated blessed that you see translated as happy sometimes in those translations. Because from the Greek word, it is used, that word blessed is used to describe a person who is especially favored by God and who is therefore, in some sense, happy or fortunate because of it. So you can see what God is getting at. We may look at it and say, well, some translations said, happy is the man, or happy are the poor in the spirit. And so what we are doing is we are concentrating on what is it that is going to make us happy, in the real sense of it. But Jesus is saying here, blessed are the poor. There is something about the favor of God that rests upon a man or a woman. And so therefore, in some sense, that man or woman becomes happy or fortunate because of the favor of God that does rest upon him. We know that when we say someone is happy, happiness actually depends on circumstances. We can say happiness is circumstantial. If things happen around me, that can make me happy. If you acquire something new, that gets you excited. You're happy in your heart. If those things go, you, your happiness tends to fly out through the window. But that's not what Jesus Christ is getting at. And that's why it's important, important for us to know why the Bible used the word blessed instead of using the word happy. Because the blessedness of the Christian is not a temporary one or an uncertain one. It is unshakable. There is something that Jesus is trying to get at. And that's why he's saying over and over in these verses of scripture we read, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in spirit. And that describes the person who have received the favor of God. And as a result of that favor, that man is now responding in a different way to that God who had shown him so much favor. But what I want to do this morning quickly is just to make some, I would call it foundational statements, so that we can build on that as we go along in our lessons. And the first thing I would like to say, for those that like taking notes, is this, that the search for true joy is God's plan for each one of us. The search for true joy in life is God's plan, not just for you, but also for me. For those that have read the story of um, C.S. Lewis, and um, I enjoy him a lot, uh, he, he enjoys telling the story of the child who was asked what he thought God was like. This was C.S. Lewis recounting. He loves telling the story of a, of a child who was asked, what do you think God is like? And look at the child's reaction. As far as the child could make out, he feels she, the child felt that God was always snooping around to see if anyone was enjoying himself so that he could put an end or a stop to it. And that was how that God child viewed God. And sometimes you know that is how we view God as well. That God is snooping around and looking for people who are enjoying themselves, whose life is full of joy, or as we say, who are happy in themselves, and God wants to put a stop uh, to it. 
But that's not what God is saying to us, because if you remember in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, and this is a very popular scripture, I love what Jesus said in John 10, 10, where he says there that the thief comes to kill and to steal. Now look at John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief does not come, he said, except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he says, I have come, and this is Jesus. He says that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So you can see the reason why Jesus came. So Jesus didn't come to snoop around and looking for those who have abundant life or who people who are living life to the fullest and he wants to put an end to it. Uh, sadly, sometimes we think that if you're not sad, you can be holy. Or maybe when you see someone who is always full of joy and excited and they don't have this sad countenance about them, sometimes we think you just can't be holy or you can't be a Christian. But that goes against what we know of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. When Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ came to give life. He wanted people to have that joy that can only be found in him. And that's why you see him going to the outcast. He went to the house of sinners. He touched those whom nobody wanted to have anything to do with. Jesus Christ lived life even while he was here to the fullest. You never get a picture of Jesus or a Jesus who wants you to have a life that lacks that joy that you should have. So that's the first thing that we need to establish as a foundation. That the search for true joy as we have it in scripture is God's plan for you. If I don't believe it's God's plan for me that God wants me to find true joy irrespective of where I'm looking for joy, I will never come to experience the true joy that God wants me to have. And the same thing applies to you. If you don't believe in your heart that God wants you to experience the fullness of his joy, you may never come to a place where you will appreciate it. Now the second thing that I also want us to take home or think about is that the search for true joy, actually have you thought about this, is an inward journey. The search for true joy. Because what the world tells us is that when you're looking for something, what do we do? You go outward looking for it. The man who is on drugs is searching outwardly. He's thinking there is something I can get and inject it into my system and that can give me this feel, this excitement. The man out there in the city who thinks that money will give him the joy and the satisfaction, he's seeking something outwardly and that's why he can go to any length. And for some, if it means to defraud the company, they will do it just to find true joy. So the search for true joy, the one we are talking about or we are going to be looking at, is an inward journey. I don't know if you notice this because when you take a quick look at the chapter 5 where we read from verses 1 to 2, you will see that some of the things that Jesus Christ spoke about, like I said, they run contrary to current ideas about happiness or what will give us joy. And you will notice as well that there isn't one single reference in this passage by the Lord Jesus as to health, as to our work, as to income or even financial security. Jesus Christ never even mentioned any of those in the passages. Because what we will expect Jesus to say is that blessed are the poor, for maybe God will put them or place them in a position of power, or that they will be placed in big companies. 
Jesus Christ never mentioned anything about our health, work, income, financial security. And you know why this is so? Because Christ knew that while these things, often of course, can accompany happiness or joy, but they never ever produce the true joy that you can have as a Christian and I can have as a Christian. Yes, we need things to survive. You need money to pay your bills. But Jesus Christ knows that those things in themselves can never produce the type of joy that he wants his followers to have. In other words, Jesus Christ here, we can say, he was also countercultural. He reverses the standards of the world. He says to them, this is what the world would normally lose seek, up, seek for. But this is what I want you to seek. This is what you think will give you joy and happiness and get you to a point where you feel satisfied and accomplished. But Jesus Christ is saying, my standards are very different. Some theologians will see these words used by Jesus as what you will call a paradox. And what that simply means is that Jesus is using it to destroy that foolish illusion that his followers have of him in an attempt to follow him. Because remember, there was this messianic expectation. When the Messiah comes, this is what the Messiah will do for us. He will crush Rome and set us free. Our poverty will end and all our sufferings will be over. And there Jesus Christ was standing, using those phrases, using those sentences and saying to them, it's about the favor of God. And once that favor comes upon you, it may not line up with what the world expects you to have, but this is where you can find true joy. That's why I said it is an inward journey. So we are beginning from the inside. We are not starting from the outside. We are not going searching and looking. Where can I find joy? Jesus is saying, you can start to ride within you. Look at those qualities again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Verse, verse 3. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn. This is what happened. Blessed are the meek. And these are things that you find on the inside. Blessed are the merciful. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. So the search that we are talking about here is going to be an inward one. And the next thing that I want us to think about as well is that the search for true joy that we are talking about is not a goal in itself, but a byproduct. And I will explain what that means. If I want to find joy for myself, what I would normally do, I'm just describing a, a situation where I'm outside of Jesus Christ and I don't know him as my Lord and Savior. What I would normally do is to make that search my goal, the search for joy. And so when I set that goal, every other thing fits into it. So I'm going after it and I want to search and find and make sure that I am happy or I find that joy. And the sad thing is this, that people who normally start out in life searching or trying to make the, find, the search for joy their goal, seldom arrive at that place. But then the interesting or the good news is that it is not a goal but a byproduct. And for the Christian, you know, I know, that we have come to encounter Jesus as Lord, our Lord and personal Savior. And as a result, joy came into our lives. Now, we didn't go searching for joy. But because we met Jesus, what happened? Joy then came into our lives. So you can see it's a byproduct of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why what God is trying to get them to see. 
Most times we are more interested in searching. I want to find. I want to look. I want to acquire. But Jesus Christ is saying that that is not the goal. Remember again in the book of Matthew, for those that are familiar with that scripture, where Jesus Christ said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and he says, and his righteousness. And then he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. What is he saying? He said, the things you are seeking after is not the goal. But rather, these things shall be added unto you. So it is a byproduct of the depth of your relationship with God. The more you come to know him, the more you come to please him, the more you make him your priority. He says, every other thing will then come in and that is where you discover that joy begins to fill your heart. So it is not a goal for us as Christians, but rather it is a byproduct. Go with me to the book of John chapter 15 and you will see Jesus Christ made a powerful statement in John chapter 15 and this is towards the um, end of his ministry. Remember that the ministry of Jesus started with crowds following him, but then after a while, uh, he gives them a very hard saying, and then the crowd uh, uh, goes away, some will come back, and some stop following him. And you can see, when Jesus then called his disciples to himself, look at what he says to them in John chapter 15, and verse 11. In John chapter 15, look at verse 11, this is Jesus speaking. He says, these things I have spoken to you, and look at what he calls this, he says, that my joy may remain in you. And that your joy, you see the fullness we are talking about, that your joy may be full. Now, can you imagine, this was a man who was about to die, the most horrible death, talking about joy. That my joy will remain in you. And that joy, he says, I want it to be full. When I, when I read this scripture, I was thinking to myself, that either Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about, or he knows something or he's come to be so one with the Father that he wants us too to be a part of what he has come to experience. That is that oneness that he has with the Father. And that he said, that's why he calls it, my joy will remain in you. And then he says, and that your joy will be full. And the good news for us as Christians is that in our search for joy, it will ultimately lead us to Jesus Christ. And that is the foundation we want to lay before we go into this lesson. Because I don't want some of us to maybe come every Sunday or Thursday and you're saying, well, we are searching for happiness. And then we are going to discuss or see how we can become more happy in life. Or maybe when we get our promotions or things happen the way we expect them to happen in life, then we will become happy. Or we can say, truly we found joy. But Jesus Christ is reversing it and saying to us, the search for true joy will ultimately lead you to Jesus because he calls it his joy and he says let it remain in you and that that joy he says will be full so for us sitting here this morning when your business if you are at all in business in which you've invested everything fails do you know you can still have joy and rejoice in your God if you have a child who instead of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is living a life that is not expected of him. Do you know that you can still find joy in the midst of that family situation? If things don't go according to your expectations, you can still rejoice and find joy as God will have it. And this is why Paul in the book of Philippians, we are not going there because of our time, why Paul can write so much about joy 
knowing fully well that he hasn't got much time to live. I rejoice, he says. Again I say to you, he says, rejoice. And this was a man in prison. This was a man who hasn't got more time left. This was a man whom the world has stripped him of everything that he's got. And he's saying to us, you can still rejoice in the midst of it all. So as we go home this morning, let us remember that when we say, blessed is the man, all we are saying is that the favor of God is what makes the difference. And because of that favor, it rests upon you so much that it becomes that which causes you to be happy or find the fullness of the joy that God expects you to have. And so I pray that not just that the Spirit of God will open this up as we go further in the studies, but you will come to a point, that I will come to a point, that no matter what happens around me, no matter what happens around you, you can say to Jesus, in you alone, I will find true joy. Not in the changes of the things that happen around me, not in the economy, not even in the government, not even in the leadership of the world, in the nations that we have today, but it's only in our God. No wonder why the psalmist, if you remember that scripture, that talks about those that trust, they have put their trust in the Lord, they shall be, he says, as Mount Zion. He says, which cannot be moved. And that's why I said our faith is unshakable. Because when we put our trust in God and in God alone, then we can truly say that we cannot be moved. Shall we bow our hearts this morning and just for a few seconds just reflect on those simple thoughts that we've come to that we've shared this morning if everything that you've come to know is taken away from you can you still find that joy if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast Why not join us in worship at the Dingle Mount Church or log on to our website at www.dinglemount.org for more information. Thank you for listening.